<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, trying her mostest, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. All right, Larissa, welcome to the show. I am beyond excited to get into this conversation because it very much connects for me, I guess, a little bit. You are from Half the Story. Tell me what the heck is Half the Story? (laughs) Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm the founder and executive director of Half the Story, which is a nonprofit to help the next generation develop healthy relationships with technology. And I started it because like most of us, we start things that we try to solve for ourselves. And about six and a half years ago, I had really hit my rock bottom and was like, look, I want to be a part of the solution and haven't stopped since. Talk to me about what that looked like. What led you to rock bottom? Because there is a lot of us who our entire jobs are in social media, our entire lives are on, you know, an app or phone technology. I'm curious how it led you to kind of developing sort of these healthy skills around technology and social media. But what was that rock bottom? Yeah, well, I was a sophomore in college. And at the time, I was obsessed with social media. I had started a fashion blog at the time because I was really excited about the idea of becoming a fashion influencer. And it really started to consume my life. I remember being on the treadmill, you know, excited to be working out because then I could try to get likes and followers. I was just always thinking about technology and social media. It was like completely consumed my life. And so I would say my obsession with technology was mixed with a very terrible uh, bout of depression. And it was, you know, really my mental illness with a complicated tech relationship that really put me into a tailspin. And when I was a sophomore, I lost all of my peers, all of my friends that I thought were my friends. And I just remember that period of like sleeping in my dorm room, looking across at a bed that was empty with my best friend who had moved out because I was depressed. And after really kind of, you know, grappling even with my own life and my own existence, I was challenged because on one hand, I was sitting in bed, you know, contemplating whether tomorrow was worth it. And on the other hand, I was posting social media photos for months before so that people wouldn't know what was going on in my life. And so I really created this divide between me, my emotions in the world, and even the my loved ones, my parents and my family. And so, you know, after hitting that, 
bottom, that rock bottom and like literally getting dragged to the psychological care center, I was like, social media is only half the story. Like no about the shit that's actually going on. And that was where it started. I was like, all right. So I printed a bunch of half the story stickers, just like the one you see on this envelope. And I made it my mission to one, share my story with the world. And that's how this all began as a grassroots advocacy movement, which then, you know, transitioned into our nonprofit, which is really here to educate and empower. We're seeing more and more, you know, this next, I've got three teenagers of, of course, social media is a part of their world. Of course, it's like also an amazing thing, but a damaging, it's a, this delicate balance. I hate when people love to, you know, crap on something that are like social media is so bad. And I'm like, but social media also saved my life. Social media also gave my daughter uh, the opportunity to find people who liked the things that she liked when there was nobody at school, but there has to be a balance. There has to be boundaries. And we're seeing I find with myself, you know, talking when you were saying about like creating and doing things because you knew it was going to perform well on social media and get those likes and follows. There is like in any other job, you know, you in corporate world or anything, you sit down and you analyze the data, you look at what's working, what's not, and you have to build upon these things where it gets really blurry and where it gets really problematic, but also I don't know how to escape it, is the fact that we also are now person and brand. We're seeing more and more people who are influencers who are also brand. So when you're reflecting upon your business insights and your demographics and your data, you're also taking in information on how people like you or not, how validated you are. And it can be really hard to sort of not blur those lines. Did you deal with that any at all? Like as before you were getting into this? Absolutely. And I think that that's what's so scary for the next generation is that social media has trained us all to be walking commodities, right? Like we are commodities, whether you're monetizing yourself or not, your value inherently, or at least what social media is making the next generation believe is based on the value that others have for you, whether you're Mm. getting or have thousands of followers and likes. And because we put so much focus on this digital value and, and this social media currency, our social emotional currency has dwindled. And I think that that's uh. what is so terrifying is that, and I see it every day, is that these teens are prioritizing this digital world over their real emotions and the real world. And that's why you know, we're facing this loneliness epidemic because there's a difference between connecting and connection. Anybody who has ever been in a room full of people and felt alone knows exactly what that's like. And and I'll even say, as somebody who shares very vulnerably online, it can read as if I'm getting all these comments and then people are checking in on you via comments that that must mean that you're okay. You're taken care of like you're, and, and I said it to my friends last year, I was deep in postpartum. And I said, it's very lonely at the top sometimes because everyone thinks that somebody else is checking in on you. And while you're getting these comments in, in your real world, you need people. Like it was so lonely to be at the height of my career and at a low point in my mental health. And there was like very little little bridge between them. Do you have any stats to kind of speak into, you know, obviously we have our, my generation, but there's also a younger generation, your generation. I've got my kids. What are kind of the stats these days when it comes to mental health and social media? Well, there's so many, I mean, I could speak to our research. I can speak to like greater research. I think 
first and foremost, one of the things to just set the tone here is that the average teenager is spending up to seven hours a day online. What that means is they are basically could have a full-time job. Seven wow. hours a day that is a third of your life. So if we sit back and look at it like that, if a third of our life is spent behind this thing, instead of connecting or creating or learning or even reading, we have implications for that. If you look at in the past year, and this is as a result of, I think, the pandemic, but also social media, in the last year, there was a 51% increase in ER visits for suicide attempts by adolescent girls, which as compared to 2019, and we continue to see this number rise. And when you look at the rates of anxiety and depression since 2008, when the iPhone was created, they tend to, to correlate and follow the same trend. The more time kids are spending online, the more, the more um, depression, anxiety, loneliness, and suicide uh, attempts we're seeing. And I think when we look at this, you know, of course you sit back and you're like, okay, well, we can't blame this all on social media, right? It's not a black or white issue, but at the root, you know, it's an emotional issue. And I think the problem culture and society is we boil things down to very first degree, which is like kids are addicted. Social media is killing us. But what we have to understand is like, what is the why that's driving this? If kids are spending a third of their life behind their screens, they, the biggest issues that we're seeing is one, the feeling of loneliness, two, social comparison and body image. And this is across all genders. Yeah. And the third is really just this social isolation and this feeling of doom and loneliness and crisis as you know the world is facing all these things. And so when you have all those things compounded and you constantly are investing more and more time in this digital chaos, you know, the results that we see are leading to the mental health pandemic, the digital well-being crisis, the confidence crisis, all the things that we have, you know, that, that we're facing as a society. And at the end of the day, you know, we can't change the fact that technology is going to continue to be at the center of our lives. But what I can't, I do believe in the work that we do at Half the Story is that we can empower teens to have control over that or to shift from mindless to mindful behaviors in the digital ecosystem. I love that you said that because I think that sometimes you get so caught up into how bad it is. And, you know, I've heard this time and time again of like, why do you let your kids even exist with social media? Why do you let them have these apps? And and I've very much been of the belief of because I I don't want them to get to a point where all of a sudden they're thrust into it at an older age. Like I I don't know what age I was when everything happened, and it wasn't healthy. It was so addictive. It was constantly something to see, something to watch, something to engage in, and it was like you couldn't move through your day without documenting it. And you know I I'm such a share. I'm such an oversharer. So I, to me, it's been such a second nature thing to do, but I very much was not of the mindset of wanting, and everyone's got different styles, but I didn't want to bubble wrap my kids. I wanted to help them move through the space responsibly and have these big conversations to have this sort of like healthy awareness of what was real and what was not in a way that like, I hope that they listen to me, but I'm also their parents. So how is, you know, half the story and this is what I love is the nuance of the fact that you're on social media and like using social media as a tool to reach kids about social media. But what does it look like? And, and how can we really start to we're talking about kids, but also I think like as adults, we're experiencing very much a lot of the similar things that these kids are having. They're just going through it in a way that is 
at a much younger age where it's really formidable stuff. And for us, we still have opportunity to kind of know what it was like before this. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's the difference, right? Is like, we know a world without technology. I remember my having my phone in my room where I'd pick it up and, you know, yes. it was like, like, I remember I had this pink pay phone I had asked my parents for for my birthday. And I felt like I was Madonna. Like I would mm-hmm. wear... I would sit at this phone and I would call boys and friends and like it was such an event, you know, like I remember some of my old childhood friends numbers still. And now, you know, and it was there was almost like an intention behind it, right? Like this. You had to pay per text. Do you remember paying per text? You had you only had so many text messages a month. So nobody had access to you all the time because you were like, no, sorry, I only have 150 texts per month. (laughs) Like that is my cap. There was intention behind that. Right. And I think like even with a lot of like, you know, you go back to the old time, there was an intention behind sending someone a telegram, you really wanted to communicate something. And now mm-hmm. we're in mindless communication, mindless consumption. And when you have that mindless communication, combined with mindless consumption and misinformation, it leads to, you know, mental turmoil. But, you know, back to your question of, okay, well, how do we actually get in front of this? Well, I think, first and foremost, it starts at the top, like anything. And m- whenever we do a workshop for parents, you know, they're coming worried about their kids. But when I ask them to raise their hands around, do you, who has a negative relationship with technology when over 50% of them do, I'm like, well, no wonder your kid does too, because it really starts with yourself. So Mm. listening here, like that, it it starts with you just like any other substance in your life or, you know, sort of addiction or urge that you have. And so just know that as a parent, like you can't save someone else before you save yourself. I think secondly, like from a really tactical perspective and like how half the story functions in the world. So we have a, we have a program called the Digital Reset, which is a part of this social media you experience where basically teens can come to us who've been neg- negatively impacted by technology for an emotional and digital reset. And this is an opportunity for them to like understand how is tech really, you know, impacting my emotions on the day to day. But what are the actual steps that I can take to improve that? Like quite going from mindless to mindful consumption. So that's like one program. The second program that we're working on launching this fall is uh, peer support groups led by therapists that are really focused on specific issues like body image and technology, gaming mm-hmm. and technology, so that you have this space, you know, beyond the period of the digital reset, because a lot of teens are just struggling and alone. And so, you know, we want them to be able to have community because a lot of them, one, aren't getting therapy because it's expensive. And if they yeah. are going it's something they do in this isolated world and they go back into the world and get spit out to a bunch of teenagers who aren't talking about what they're going through so they still feel alone even if they're going to get you know that 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 support and so you know I think I think for us we we also like I want to be take advantage of still being a young person to speak these kids language and do it in a way that's fun and like that they want to wear half the story on their sleeve because if you teach if you don't talk to kids in a way that they're going to respond to. And we don't give them the belief that they are the ones in control. You're never going to win. And I think that's the problem is like, we're not the experts about on technology anymore, actually, even though you're a huge influencer and have a huge platform and I'm trying to solve, you know, this problem, I would say that your kids are probably going to be more savvy than us in a year. Right. And like, Oh, hundred percent, like without a doubt, it's almost like a language to them. They're, they just have it. They're very, they're very adapted to that entire world. It's very easy for them. But I also think like now's a great time to be having these conversations because parents and kids alike through a pandemic, when you weren't able to go out and be part of the world, your only social life was online. And now it's like this difficult reality of trying 
starting to come back into what social life is about, not just a social media life. Because I think a lot of people turn to social media to kind of pacify so much loneliness. I think that there was so much entertainment and so much great stuff that came out of that time of a really, really dark time for the entire world. I mean, we're still coming out of it, but now we're in this, you know, learning how to exist beyond. And, you know, when I was a kid, my dad came home late from work. I remember my mom being like, you know, what dinner was here. It was on the table. It was ready to go. And like you were late or she would say something along these lines of like having better boundaries and respect for his time and not working so much and, and all of this. And, and now we're just seeing everyone has access to you at all times. My husband can get a ping on his phone and he's got to do something in the middle of the night. I could have something like crisis come up in the middle of the weekend and, you know, things can happen at any point in time. And there is like this accessibility to us. That's so fascinating. And, and I watch my kids and each of them are so individually so different. Like my middle daughter is incredibly social and she'll do all of these TikToks, but she never posts them. She'll just like put them in drafts. She's like, yeah, I just do it for fun. I don't do it for anybody. And I'm like, dang, I, there's so much to learn from them too. Like they're almost aware of it without being aware of it. And I find it, but then they're consuming it at the same time. So you feel like you have to have these big conversations about what's real and what's not. And you know, the, we've seen now there is like so much body dysmorphia, but almost face dysmorphia because of filters. Like there is, these things exist and you have to learn to exist around them with awareness and not putting the onus on people who use them being the problem. I really had to step away from that type of thinking. Like people who use filters are the problem. Like, no, they're the target. They're not the problem. They're the target, right? Like they were, they were, they're using them because they've been designed to feel a certain way and removing, I think a lot of the shame factors from social media and the people who use it. And I think it comes right back to, you know, what you said, being mindful, like mindful consumption. And I, you know, you, and I are both alike have had really unhealthy, mindless types of consumption. And then having to, for me, was like a complete burnout, recognizing I was how, not that I wasn't interactive with my family, but more like it was just my kids didn't know me without my phone, really having to start creating some boundaries and some lines of just like wanting to be known for something different while also striving for being respected as a business person in social media. There's like, there's so much, I think it's okay to want boundaries and healthy relationships with social media and also be building a career on social media. I think both things can be true. I absolutely. And I think, well, first of all, thank you for for sharing that. I think a lot of, I can't really imagine what it's like to be a mom and like have so much of your life being public, but like trying to balance being a mom going through that intense experience of birth and also in your business. And, you know, I think there's just so many realities of, you know, to your point of like, it's all possible within certain boundaries or parameters. And it's up to us to set them because no one else is going to. And, you know, I think it's, it's a learning experience and it evolves. And like, there are periods and times where I'm really inspired to create. And then there's other times where it's like, I'm feeling depressed and I'm not going to create. And you can usually tell where I'm at emotionally based on where my social media is. Like if I'm creating a bunch of content, I'm in a good space. And if I'm not, I'm not. But I think one of the things you brought up that really resonated with me was just like the importance of just check of checking in on the ones that are close to you, because mm. I oftentimes feel even during the pandemic, like, even though we 
and I speak for myself and I'm sure you do too. Like you, we have these like very close friends, but we don't necessarily live by them and our life changes. We become adults. And it's not like being a teenager where you're talking to your friends every single day and you're like, I'm sad or I'm not. And I think like for anyone listening to this, like if there's one thing people get from this episode, I hope it's that, you know, they can just try to reach out to one person in real life on a phone call, give someone a call, like see how they're actually doing because you know, you could save someone's life, like, and you just don't know what people are going through on the other side of the screen. And oftentimes it's the ones that are making it look freaking amazing that are the ones that are struggling the worst. And I think it's a coping mechanism, right? And and I've, I've understood this so many times where I've been on social media and I know that it's not everybody's reality. I know it's like a piece of it, but you do love the escape. Like you love, I understand why so many people struggling use social media as a way of their own escape, but they're like almost tapping into what they wish was true and what they wish was possible. And it's not on the... I don't think it's on anybody to truly have to tell every single bad part that's going on or everything that's like happening within their world, but it's more of the consumer to be aware that these are not the full stories. Like there is a lot more going on and that there's a reason that we're seeing so many people feeling disconnected, feeling lonely, feeling, you know, and we're not talking about just like any day teenager consumers alone. We're talking about very famous people. We're talking about people with millions of followers. I I've had so many conversations with people who have this mentality of, Oh, if I just got to a certain point on social media that I maybe wouldn't feel so this, that the other. And as somebody who's, you know, I remember hitting a million and thinking I'm finally going to get to relax and I'm not going to, I'm not going to worry about followers anymore. I'm not going to think about likes. I'm not, I'm just going to lose all of that people pleasing because that's the point to which I've made it. And that's the point where everything else just gets easy. And it was, I don't even know how many minutes before somebody said, I wonder how long it's going to take before you hit 2 million. And it just like immediately brought me back down to earth of like, this is never going to end. And I have to start creating for me, not for anybody else. And really like having to challenge myself to, have time caps. I, I, I know this sounds wild for a lot of people, but I genuinely schedule my social media. And I think because we had a free for all for it, it was really hard to know how to do that. And I genuinely schedule four hours a day of like social media time. And I can block that wherever I need to. But that's what I've had to do. And I've also had to go to like my management and say like, I'm hitting a burnout. So we need to create better solutions like in order for us to have like better business practices because what business exists if it's all around something as vulnerable as a person, a person that can, you know, have a migraine one day or a mental health crisis. Like these are, these are real people. We're watching, you know, as people sort of validate the importance and the, you know, success of the influencer marketing industry or TikTok or anything like that, gaming, YouTube, all of it. There are so many success stories and those are all so valid, but unless we're also simultaneously learning proper business practices in terms of like how to healthily move through these spaces. For years, I've been talking about Ficlo Beauty. They're one of my absolute favorite beauty brands. They're also a skincare brand. And trust me, these worlds merge. Ficlo Beauty is an all-natural, dermatologist-tested, plant-based skincare and makeup brand that believes you should not sacrifice 
performance for effortless beauty. All of their products, including makeup, are made with science-backed skincare formulas to help you target your skin concerns naturally and with zero harsh chemicals. Let me just do the math on that for you. That means their makeup is actually going to work for you as skincare while you wear it. It's unreal. I have gone on and on and on about my love for their lip serums, but for good reason. A couple years ago, actually a few years ago now, I had a really bad season of my lips cracking and peeling and bleeding and everything I could do was not working. Nothing was working. It just felt like it was pacifying it sometimes, but it kept coming back until somebody recommended the Ficklo Beauty Lip Serums, and I have not had a problem since. They are my go-to. The Night Serum, I can't sleep without it. Their mascara is unreal. It helped my lashes grow. I just have so much to say about this brand, and I love them. But more than that, they're also a vegan, cruelty-free, silicone-free, paraben-free, gluten-free, It's a women-owned and women-led brand, and it believes that beauty should be uncomplicated. They donate to charities like Save the Manatee Foundation, Arbor Day Foundation, Style Saves, and various women's shelters across South Florida where their company headquarters are. And they have a 2030 mission that is effortless beauty built for sustainable future, where by 2030, the brand plans to reduce its CO2 emissions and carbon footprint with forever recyclable aluminum packaging, innovative refillable formulas to reduce waste on their product and is dedicated to turning trash into beauty with PCR and sugarcane packaging. It's just so cool. And I have a little sweet treat for you with this one because you can use my code TBP17. It's going to get you 20% off site-wide. That's TBP17 for 20% off site-wide. And that's at ficklobeauty.com. I have talked about them for years. I love them so much. Use that coupon because it will, you know what? You're just going to try it and you're just going to know and you're going to love it and you're going to come back to me and we're going to talk about it for the next like six months because I love it so much. Okay. TBP 17, 20% off site wide, ficklobeauty.com. With Mother's Day coming up, I have to share with you one of the most amazing gifts that I have ever heard about when it comes to a mother or a mother figure, a grandmother, relative, anybody close in your life that you think would love this. And that's StoryWorth. StoryWorth, I want you to think of it almost like a conversation. Once a week, you choose a question to inspire her to write. She will simply reply with an email which is shared with you. And at the end of the year, her stories are bound into a beautiful keepsake book. StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones connect through sharing these stories and memories, but then it preserves them for years to come. Every week, like I said, StoryWorth emails your mom a thought-provoking question of your choice from a vast pool of possible options. Each unique prompt asks questions you've never thought of, like, What's some of the best advice your mother gave you? Or if you were to do it all over, what would you do differently? I think what I love so much is this lets you get to know the people in your world who have helped you so much in a much deeper way and in a way that not only they carry forever, but you can carry on too. Discovering stories and memories that you've never heard about and learning new things about them. It's just one of the most beautiful things ever. And after that year, StoryWorth compiles all of those questions and stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book the whole family can share for generations. This is something that, honestly, I get emotional thinking about it. The idea of having some of my mom's best advice, her best memories, her moments, whatever it is that she writes back into something that I can read for whenever I need it and even pass on to 
generations, like my daughters and my son. It's just so special. So give moms in your life a meaningful gift you'll both cherish for years with StoryWorth. Right now, for a limited time, you'll save $10 off your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash papaya. That's S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash papaya to save $10 on your first purchase. Storyworth.com slash papaya. Let's get back to the show. I heard recently that like the most stressful jobs in the world, and I'm I'm not claiming that mine is, but there is like journalists, for instance, I have a friend who's a journalist and she's like, we have a mental health crisis hotline because of the amount of abuse that we get. And I, all I could think of was, wow, we could really use that. It is an incredible type of thing to move through a job that every single day you get a performance review, not just a performance review, people just shit on you for no good reason. And you somehow have to navigate that. Do you have anything in terms of the work you do sort of supporting people through what it is to be a creator or what it is on in terms of like, not just glamorizing, but the reality of what it is to exist online and to share. Yeah, actually, one of the, the things we're talking about doing right now with a couple of agencies that represent young digital creators is actually providing resources for them, like support groups to emotional well-being of their creators and then to be able to go back and say hey these are like what this is what they need for support and I'm really glad you brought that point up because I've worked very closely with talent models actors musicians and the way that artists are treated is really really terrible and I just I still can't believe First of all, artists and entrepreneurs are more likely to struggle with mental health. And that's just, you know, (laughs) based on some of the data that we've seen. But like, why, why don't we look at these again? Everyone is this commodity. But, you know, when push comes to shove and something really goes down, everyone loses if they didn't actually support them in the first place. Right. It's like if your arm is sprained and you're a guitarist and you don't take care of it and it breaks, everyone's screwed. The same mental health, but we still have not gotten to that point in our society where, which is mind blowing to me because without our mental health, we have nothing. Like when I'm sick from my mental health, I can't get out of bed. I can't do emails. I can't do foundation calls. Like, and I call it sick, you know, like even a few days ago, I, you know, rescheduled a call. I was like, I'm sick today. I can't do it. It was like an early morning. And you know, it is sick. Like mental illness is sickness. And if you're feeling depressed, then you gotta, you gotta really take care of yourself. Um, and I think we're just, we're all, everyone's burnt out from the past two years. I mean, I feel great now because I've been able to like invest time in my well being and make a lot of life changes, but especially for parents like you that have been going triple time. I mean, this is, this is real. And I just, I hope that even for anyone listening to this, just can take time, whether it's 10 minutes and just get that time to really check in with your emotions as opposed to distracting yourself on technology. Yes. Cause I think I, years ago, I, I was going through a really hard time in life and all I could do was pick up my like Kobo or like a book over and over and over. I ended up reading 72 books. And if I would tell that to somebody, they'd be like, wow, that's phenomenal. You read 72 books in a year. 
And all I could think of is all I'm doing is avoiding my entire life. I'm not facing anything. This is complete escapism. This is not something to be proud of. I'm not reading to like benefit my life in any way. I'm doing it to escape. And now I have social media to do that. So when I'm struggling, it can be very easy to just be like scroll, 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 scroll to a point that it's like a form of it's a coping. But it's also like unless I check in on that and unless I step away from it, And even something as simple as I was doing uh, a chore in my house the other day and I realized it was taking me three times the amount of time to finish anything because I was so obsessed with if something was happening on my phone. So we have to sort of check in and, and check in again and then again and again. I used to always wear my... Because as a parent, I can't just like put my phone. People would be like, oh, I just don't plug my phone in anywhere near me when I'm sleeping. And I'm like, I don't even have that option because I have three kids that I co-share, co-parent. So I have to be available for emergencies all the time. So there is always these nuances. There are. It is very, I think, important to be reflective on what's going to work in your world and really like calling yourself in on where you're struggling or where it's maybe not a good idea, but also checking in with, I I think one of the bigger things is moving through social media and recognizing when you're feeling good and recognizing when it's not feeling so good. And when you're coming away from social media, if you have what I like to, I like to refer to as a social media hangover, if you're all of a sudden like reeling and feeling almost like foggy and like down, like that's like a hangover from social media. And that's like a good time to sort of like be checking in with yourself and checking in with your habits and doing it constantly. I, at the end of every single week, look through, you know, our phones do this thing now where they give us the data of how much time we're spending on stuff. And I use that information to make sure and to keep myself in check, right? Because it can be really, really difficult to not overconsume. You know, we, we warn against overconsumption on pretty much everything except for social media. Yeah, no. And I think you have, so many points there. I mean, there's so much to unpack. And I think to your point of like, also digital well-being is an individual journey. It's a state of not a destination. And what works for you might not work for someone else because we all have different things in our life. Like during COVID, especially, you know, you can't just check out from the world. There are people dying. You have family members, you know, you have kids, like there's, there's all sorts of things. And so I think that's why even just creating one ritual that you know is for yourself, you know, taking a break from it all is sometimes enough. And it's not, you know, doing a screen free month or a social media free month. It's just doing something that's intentional for you. And I think in a culture that's so all or nothing, we underestimate the power of small rituals and small. And also it makes us feel like shit when we aren't doing these radical things like, oh, we're not running marathons or we're not doing digital detoxes for three weeks. Like, guess what? Because that's not what real humans can do. And sometimes you just have to do what fits for you in your life. Do you know when we had our house reorganized, we made sure we had an entire shelf for our hydro jugs because they are so highly used in our home. We love them so much, but let me tell you a little bit more about why I love them. And then we'll get into all the like gushy fun, why they're also the most beautiful thing ever. One, the hydro jug helped me drink more water. Recently, when we were sick, I had to hydrate so much and the kids did too. And we were just refilling our hydro jugs like nobody's business. 
It also has, I don't know what it is about it, but it's just so easy to drink from. I'm obsessed with their straws. They're so nice. I love taking it everywhere. It has this leak-proof seal. It's a BPA-free plastic, this integrated handle. I tell you, like I have one at my front door ready to go when I'm going to work. I've got one in the car ready to go whenever we need it. I take it whenever we have a road trip, where I take one up to bed on my bedside table. I'm telling you, we use them all the time. The kids love them so much as well. Right now, you can do these like really cool bundles as well. It's called the Buddy Bundle, and you save by getting a water bottle and a sleeve. So you get your hydro jug, and then you can get a sleeve. The sleeve, why I love it is it has a really cool strap to it. It has some pockets on it where you can put your phone or your keys or your cell phone, whatever it is that you want to slip into the side. It makes it so much easier on the go. I personally am a fan of the buddy bundle that is the pink sparkle with the pink sparkle sleeve. That is currently what I've been rocking into spring, but they have some gorgeous florals, leopard print. They even have a bronze one that is so gorgeous. And if you're not into a plastic water bottle, they also have a glass one or stainless steel. My son especially loves the stainless steel. That one is his go-to. So you could have your preferences however you want it, as long as we're hydrating and we're getting what we we need. I'm also asked about them all the time whenever they're in my stories. So here's the great thing about podcast listeners is you all get the discount code. So right now at HydroJug, go to thehydrojug.com and use discount code papaya to get 10% off your order today. HydroJugs are game changers for anyone that's on the go or anyone that's looking for hydration at home in a really convenient way that you actually do it. Again, use code papaya at thehydrojug.com to get 10% off and start hydrating today. Let's get back to today's show. Hello, beautiful people. It's Renee Blewett, and I am your host for the She Did That podcast. Have you ever wondered how your favorite women founders are building these beautiful brands and legacies? Whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, already on your journey, or just someone who wants to learn from the best to ever do it, this is the podcast for you. Every week, I'll introduce you to powerhouse entrepreneurs, creatives, and innovators who are carving their own paths with love, resilience, and bold ambitions. Be sure to subscribe now so you don't miss a thing. Which brings me to your global day of unplugging. Talk to me a little bit about that. And because that to me is something that is somewhat sustainable, uh, keeping in mind that like if people can be also a business and a brand, it can be hard for people to check out for an entire week or to take a month away and like really take care of themselves because then you know, statistically there, I had a friend who took six weeks off for her mental health. She does not regret that whatsoever, but it took her about a year and a half to recover her social media accounts back to where they were because of that absence. So, you know, it can be into these smaller rituals, these ways that are sustainable long-term that doesn't cause like crisis to your career necessarily, or to your social media, if you are a creator, but also just like recognizing all these little small things. So you're, you did something else, which is this global day of unplugging. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah. So we started it during the pandemic with the goal to create a day for individuals to intentionally disconnect from their tech and connect with themselves. And that looks like something different for everyone. You know, we hope that you can commit to the full day, but we understand that sometimes unplugging can be a privilege. And so that might look like a morning, that might look like an hour. And we wanted to create an opportunity for really no judgment zone for you to make it what 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 is meaningful to you and also what's possible in your life and you know it's about disconnecting but also reconnecting with yourself and others and the ones around you and you know doing it mindfully having a conversation with your family even just you know about how technology makes you feel i think as humans in this world where it's you know such a reactionary space we're oftentimes trying to jump from the problem to the solution mm-hmm. as opposed to going from the problem to the emotions to the solution And I hope that this day is an opportunity to talk more about these emotions rather than just, you know, how are we going to solve this? Because more than anything, I think people just want to be heard and they want to be felt. And that goes for parents, that goes for teens, that goes for coworkers, that really goes for anyone. And I think you said it right there. It's not so black and white. It's not all or nothing. It's not just problems and solutions because this is about learning to exist in a world with social media, with technology, understanding it's going to be an ask, a demand, a huge part of our jobs, and that it is really also like this privilege to be able to disconnect at the times we can, that this is such an individual journey, just like every time anybody talks about like, how do you take care? What's your self-care? What's your self-love? Like, They shouldn't, those answers should never be the same for everybody. They're always going to be different. So your social media health standing and your mental health standing should be such an individual journey and one that you can reflect upon, one that you can work towards, you know, by learning, but by reflecting. And I think that that's the biggest part. Like how many of us are so unwilling to just like sit back and really consider how we're using social media, really take a look at our health around it, really looking at boundaries and are we creating them or is this sort of a free for all and, you know, beginning to create some habits. And like you said, like smaller, like little bite-sized rituals that we can do to start creating a better experience and mirroring those for our kids as well, right? Whether it's a technology-free dinner or, you know, going to a place that has no phones or whatever you need to do. Like sometimes a movie out can be such a huge impact on like just putting your phones away. And, And I don't think that people realize that impact until they start to feel that slight panic when they can't look at their phone during a movie, right? And that's when you can start to recognize some of those problems. But for everyone listening and wanting to sort of like tiptoe into more of what it can mean to like step into that other half of the story, if they really want to start reflecting upon that, or if they want to sort of look into how half the story can, you know, help them, where are they going to go? What are they going to look to? Yes. So you can go to halfthestoryproject.com if you want to learn more about our programming and get involved or globaldayofunpluggy.com if you want to get involved in Global Day of Unplugging. And outside of that, if you're looking for a mindful break in your screen, you can, of course, follow us on social media at Half the Story. We always are trying to empower our, our followers and our community with tips and tools to remind ourselves that we have the power to define our digital experience. Thank you so, so much for sharing everything. This has been such a good, insightful conversation and such a reflective one. And one that I'm so glad is not filled with shame or blame and truly just such a reflective experience. And I thank you so much for your work. I think it's so important. And for everyone listening, we'd have absolutely everything in the show notes for you as well to check out and just 
take care of yourselves. We're all going through it. We all have these habits, but we can all collectively work towards a better mental health and social media balance. See you next week. Do you know what I love about having my own podcast is I can share about things that are going on in my world beyond the podcast. And one of those things is the papaya community that is Pink Papaya. Join over 200,000 of us by downloading my free app, Pink Papaya, on iOS. While so many apps focus on changing your appearance, Pink Papaya is a photo and video app that's all about celebrating yourself and your creativity for exactly who you are. You get to express that creativity and storytelling with nearly 50 free filters and tools. I truly believe that everyone deserves beautiful pictures, edited ones, without needing to know all the bells and whistles that comes with editing, right? So this is a great way to get that one-click way to get your photos elevated and telling that story in the way you want. You can find us on social and share your edits for a chance to be featured as well at Pink Papaya App. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at The Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.